Gregoire and Dan Beeston are smart enough to know better. Episode 194 of Smart Enough to Know Better. We are a podcast of science. And comedy. And ignorance. I'm Dan Beeston. And I'm Greg Waugh. And in this episode of Smart Enough to Know Better. People today have a largely Vans difference view on art. My sunny boy is getting in shape. And it's time, Dan, for our talk about the balls and the bees. But before we get there, what happened to you this week in science? This week in science, Dan, it's the last podcast of the year. So therefore, I want to talk about this year in science in this week in science. Yep, fair enough. Excellent. That's a little bit of time dilation for you listeners. <laughs> so what were your top sciencey stories this year? The things that snuck through, NASA plowed a, a Mr. Whippy van into a comet <laughs> to see whether it could like... <laughs> Changes directory? Yes. Direction? Yeah, yeah, it's just trajectory, yes. So the, um, oh, direction, why not? That's Uh, what the word, that's the word I was looking for. I was like, changes directory? Or changes trajection. That was September. That was the DART mission deflecting the asteroid. It was a moonlet of an asteroid, which I love. So they didn't hit the asteroid. They hit the asteroid around the asteroid. I love it. And it worked. They've deflected it. The moonlet had a roughly 12-hour orbit around its parent asteroid, and then they deflected it closer, and now it's 32 minutes shorter. So it's like an 11 and a half hour orbit. They've managed to do it. It's, I really hope they haven't, like, knocked the first little pea on, a, on an interstellar Rube Goldberg <laughs> machine that ends up, like... Knocking a whole bunch of planets into their suns. <laughs> I do find it funny in every article I've read about the DART mission, they're at pains to go, this will never deflect anything into Earth or damage anything. It's fine. Everything's fine. We're all fine. How are you? Yeah, but no, the answer is probably not. But the universe is a chaotic place. So who knows? Who knows? Dan? No, no. It's, yeah. No. What else? What other sciences come along? Long COVID's real bad. Don't you don't want that? Like, I, I've, I've certainly been immersed in that information. Yeah, interesting. I read one interesting one about that recently saying that, and I'm, I'm very much at pains about saying this because I don't want to give bad information or, or fear about things. There has been some evidence of certain COVID vaccinations are increasing menstrual flow, which is interesting. So not in a bad way, not in a, not in a bad way since the person who doesn't menstruate, but, um, yes, not in a dangerous it way. It just means more periods for people to get periods. Yeah, that's Surely right. there's no negative connotations. Yeah. <laughs> not to more that. periods, but the heavier ones. So that was interesting. That just came out recently. So I was intrigued by that. When I read it down to the end of that, why I didn't bring up the podcast before is because I was like, mm, Sigma, not high enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> from a physicist's point of view, it's like, oh, this could yeah. be a thing, not a, it's definitely a thing. Yeah. Mind you, one in a million chance of erectile dif- dysfunction. Take the bastards to court, I'll kill them all. You're probably absolutely right on that one. Um, so, uh, yeah, any others? Oh, they sent someone back to the, like, they sent another rocket to the moon. Oh, they want to put more no, people on the moon. Absolutely. Yeah, that was the Artemis 1 missions. That was in November and it came back in December, totally successful. So no one went off. It was a test technology. So they sent the Artemis 1 around the moon and it came back and splashed down 
all auto- automatically. And it didn't sink. I love the fact that when it splashed down, they didn't go pick it up straight away. They let it float for a couple of hours just to see, you know, if it sprung a leak. Didn't. And that was, that mission was ludicrously successful, like really successful. And so we're going back to the moon, baby. I'm very excited. Uh, yeah. There was something else on Earth. Oh, dinosaurs. There was a dinosaur found in Australia. Oh, not a live There's one. A, yeah, no, oh, God, no, that... That would have sprung up on more people's radars, I reckon. <laughs> but they found a, a remains of a dinosaur in Australia. And oh. it's a, for some reason, it's a more exciting find than usual. Oh, okay. Well, they I, don't, don't, I don't know that one. I missed that one. But I can see why you were excited about that one. So, yes, Australia is yeah, good for dinosaurs. It's big, wide, flat land that it is. Uh, well, it's a bit old for dinosaurs, usually, isn't it? Like, <sighs> the, hmm. the badlands of... America and bits of China are fantastic for dinosaurs, but Australia's just a bit too old and flat for them, I thought. Well, yeah, the West Coast is, where I live, is definitely too old. I mean, that's why we keep finding all the, like, the Edicarians and that sort of stuff, like billions of year old rock, and therefore you find the first life out here. And we talk about the stromatolites that have been fossilized. That's why that works. And on the East Coast, the East Coast is relatively geologically new within 150 million years, which does fit into the dinosaur era. But of course, because of volcanoes, the East Coast was built up on volcanoes, up and down. And that means it all got churned over though. So anyone, anything that was fossilized is now either probably gone or covered in lava. And then, you know, you, you, there's, yeah. I guess there's a middle point. You've got to go find things in the center, maybe. But yeah. Uh, uh, Queensland graziers unearthed 100 million year old plesiosaur remains ooh. likened to a Rosetta stone. So it's a, it's an exciting discovery. But it had, it had Egyptian and, um, and it had Arabic written on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, that's how they made those pyramids. <laughs> those <laughs> plesiosaurs. Yeah, yeah. Let it's, my it's plesiosaurs go. <laughs> that was a slave joke about plesiosaurs. Yeah, no, it's good. <laughs> yeah, so that's that's what I picked up on this year. That's pretty good. You've, you've hit on some of them. And here's my, I put a little list. I try to think of the ones that stuck for me. So in January, there was the Tonga volcano eruption. So the... Uh, Jeez, that was this year. That was this year. I know, I know. So that was this year. That was January 15th. So it was the Hunga Tonga Hunga Hapaya eruption, most powerful on human record. We talked a little bit about it before. So hundreds of times more powerful than the atomic bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. But that was a pretty small kiloton, only a kiloton weapon. Wait, so that's not, did you just say it's the biggest one on record? Yes. One, uh, one of the most powerful on record, yes. One of. One of, yes, because the, there was the, the one, the Indonesian one. Krakatoa, yes, but, but then that was 1850 or 60. Oh no. Anyway, yeah, somewhere in that period. And that was on record as well. So that's, yeah, that was much bigger than the, than the Tonga one. But. And then there was the other one, the, uh, Sarbomba? Sarbomba is a nuclear weapons test. That's the weapon. That's the one I'm thinking of. The, 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 uh, it means drum. We, it was a walk of shame. One of our brilliant listeners was like, the biggest volcanic explosion was the... Oh, oh, okay. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yeah, yes. yes. tambourine explosion. Yes, you're right. You're right. Oh, see, we should go back and listen to our own stuff, Dan. It's terrible. Yes. Well, that was... I have people to do that for me. It's called the walk of shame. <laughs> so, yes, uh, the hunger eruption. In January also, I love this one. It was the first xenogenic heart transplant. First of its kind, a 57-year-old man was given a successful transplant of a genetically modified pig's heart. So not just – so that was pretty cool. I remember thinking, remembering that. I had to go back and find it. Goes, oh, I thought it was like a flap or something, but no, they had to genetically, yes, do it all. That was very cool. That was I really, really liked that one. That was something that, that's awesome. That's uh, amazing. Yeah. Like, that is – 
That is Star Trek shit. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And it goes to show pigs and humans and one that upset me and, and I've thought about it and I've talked about it quite a bit of time. I don't think I've talked about it in the podcast, actually. The, the, in March, the effect of lead on IQ across the human population, the lead in the atmosphere and in the environment was shown on average to reduce IQ of anyone born before 1996 up to eight points. You mean I could have been even smarter? I Yes, yes. We were both born in the <coughs> years, so the 70s and 80s. And, uh, the olden years? <laughs> Everything was sepia back then. It, it was, it was. And unfortunately, the amount of, and this, by the way, this was, this lead was from lead petrol and fuel. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, in the lead, in the air, and it was everywhere. And if you happen to be born in the sixties and seventies, unfortunately, which I was in the seventies, that was the highest place and the worst time to be born for the amount of lead that's in my brain right now. And yes, that's where you have lose up to eight points of IQ on average. So I would have been, think how clever I would have been, Dan. Oh my God. Does this explain why grunge took off? Well, that was in the nineties. I guess they would have been, they, maybe they, (laughs) they would have been. All the, all the people who are like, we're going to define what music is. It's going to be this fucking noise. Don't, Dan. Oh my god. Oh, don't, don't, Dan. Don't, don't stop it. Anyway, the young people's music. I don't, I don't like it. The oh no, I loved grunge. Oh, I'm apparently I'm brain dead. <laughs> I, I'm always, a moron. I always laugh. My mother, because she didn't know. People just didn't know. It wasn't a big thing. She, my mother smoked during my pregnancy as well. So I'm like, uh, <laughs> and uh, I was like, well, that a brain damage and also body mass, like, like birth weight. And she went, uh, when I brought her up on this, I just said, and she went, I didn't know. And also she went, you were a big baby. I'm glad I should have smoked more. <laughs> <laughs> That's the scientist of the time going, Mrs. Wire, this is how much you need to smoke in order to have a successful birth. Yeah. <laughs> your, your cervix is this large. Your cervix? Yeah. Yeah. And your, your child is this big. So far. you need to smoke four packs a day. And by the way, he's going to be a cocky prick. So smoke even more. And by the way, lick this lead paint and <laughs> it's all going to be fine. So yeah, the lead, I just want to shout out to Claire Cameron Patterson. So he was the scientist. He helped develop the atomic weapon, but he also was the guy who is in the 50s, I do believe. He was the guy who accidentally stumbled on lead in the atmosphere. So he was doing an experiment where he was trying to do like a clean room experiment, not about lead, and he kept finding mm-hmm. lead contaminant. It's like, why Why is there lead in my clean room? And he went, oh, it must be on my hands. So he cleaned all his hands, he cleaned all his clothes, still lead in the experiment. And then he was like, oh, it must be in the glass. Oh, yeah, it's on the glass. So, oh, it must, it must be lead in the glass. He's like, lead glass. So he got all new glass test it's fine still lead then he was like is it on me and he cut his hair and was like oh my god it's on me oh it's, okay hang on oh my god i'm lead contaminated he went, oh no i've got lead like dangerously high levels of lead i'm it's i'm and he told everyone going I, i'm probably quite sick i don't know what's going on and it was like oh no he cut his hair off he, he shaved his head to, and still lead everywhere and he got other people in and he went wait it's everywhere why is it everywhere? It's like that joke about doctor, doctor, I have a pain every time I touch here, ow, here, ow, and here, ow, what's wrong with me? Your finger's broken. That's, you know, that joke. And, it, and he was like, wait, it's everywhere. Why is there lead everywhere at disturbingly high levels? And his research then, le- and he pushed them for years. He re- they worked out very quickly where it came from, lead petrol. He was like, we have to stop this. And everyone's like, no, nah, no, nah, it's fine, mate. It's fine. You're going to be fine. Like it's, it's like smoking. It's as safe as smoking. Come on. 
Come on, fella. Yeah, he fought and fought and fought. So Claire Patterson, thank you very much for doing that great work and destroying your own life. And then finally, guess and guess when they stopped putting lead into petrol in the United States, Dan? This was in the 1950s. He did this work in the 1950s and 60s. So when did they take lead out of petrol in, in the United States? 1998. No, no. 2007. <laughs> 1996. All ah, right. That sucks. Can I just point out that sucks so much? I'm so angry at that when I worked that out. And I remember it, it leaving. So I, it's, it's in, but I had to point out, I remember it leaving petrol as in taking, we don't need it anymore because it was for knocks in the car. That's what it's for. So your car didn't make a knocking noise. Yep. But you, could, you could just design your cars better. But anyway, that's that's neither here nor there. They took well, I it- had to put lead replacement fluid Jeez. into my 1976 <laughs> Volvo. Mm. Like whenever I went to the petrol station, I had to pick up like a little tube, like a like a, I spent a couple of extra bucks on a little tube of like goo that oh. I put into the petrol tank, and then eventually I was like these these little. Things that go are useless. I'm buying a bit. I bought a 20 litre one and then the car broke down like the next week and I never ever used it. Just so you just poured it into a river. You gave it to the local kindergarten as a licking. I put it over some ducks. <laughs> anyway, so yeah, lead, the effect of lead on IQ is really in March. It's, it's real bad, everyone. Uh, there's stories and this is, this is now very much into probably walk of shame territory, but there's all not evidence, but there's anecdotal stories that this may have been one of the reasons that the Roman Empire went down the toilet because they use they lead. They lead pipes everywhere. Yes. But you can't, it's correlation causation. You can't, you know, lots of reasons why the, yes, but they had, they, they ran all their water through lead pipes. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, well, we sorted out the lead thing, but now we've got sort of this sort of extra carbon dioxide. Yeah. And so the oxygen levels are sort of slowly slipping to the point where people won't be smart enough to stop that. I don't. Oh, right. Not wait. Are you saying because we haven't got enough oxygen, we, our IQs are dropping? There was some research a couple of years ago that uh, as the CO2 in the atmosphere increases, yep. we will not be getting as much oxygen to our brains and people are going to not be smart enough eventually to solve the problem of the CO2 increasing. Is that, but it's, it's parts per million compared to 21% of the atmosphere oxygen. Do you mean, you know, you know what I'm trying to say there? Like it's- it, 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 yeah, I do. Oh, I could, look, I'll let the listeners sort it out. That's what they're for. <laughs> okay, cool. Moving on about anger about lead. Uh, in July, the amazing JWST. So after billions of dollars and many, many years, it was put into orbit, into L1 orbit, and it's doing amazing science and space uh, Instagram. Yep, space space Instagram. <laughs> it was one of the most one of the most successful projects ever. It's doing great things. It's every day. It's that point of now being a, a modern day miracle that's just boring. Where you go, my father sends me, oh my goodness, look what the JWST found. I'm like, ah, yeah, it's fine, it's great. It is great, but also you can't see a miracle every day and go, oh my god, you can't maintain the excitement. I mean, I'm not that impressed with those pictures. You could just take the old one and just move closer and get the same result. <laughs> yes. Yes, you could. And the last two I've got here is the, we've already talked about in September, the DART mission to deflect the asteroid. So we've talked about that. And then in November, the Artemis 1 mission to the moon. So these are very much based on what stuff I like, of course. But yeah, that's, that's yeah, my a lot of space stuff in there, I noticed. A lot of pushing back. Out of the six, three were space related and three were not. So they, I think that was fine. But I had to bring the dinosaur stuff. You did. And that's why I bring you, Dan. That's, that's why you carry me, Dan. 
I'm better for you. Anyway, that was my week in science, year in yes, science. You're certainly, I certainly get the sensation that you're on my back. <laughs> Hang on, did you just call me a monkey? I'm not too sure. Yeah, yeah. What about your week in science, Dan? Stubbed my toe. <laughs> I wanged it going down the stairs at speed. Or as I like to call it, home parkour. <laughs> I don't think it's broken. It is badly bruised. Oh, ow. Okay, yeah. In my toe, there is a fine network of tiny, tiny tubes that transport my blood and its life-giving deliveries of oxygen. Mm. When I wanged it, I crushed basically every single one of them. The blood arrived via tube and then just spread out into the flesh. Mm. Every space it could find was filled with blood. If you were an amoeba, that would be fine. That's how they just diffuse all their everything through. But you're you're just too big, Dan. That's that's a that's a, that's a your problem. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. <laughs> I've heard that a lot, <laughs> ladies. <laughs> all right, that's the last one of the year. I'm not doing that joke again this year. Okay. Oh, hang on. Uh, Hold on to that thought because one of my stories may evoke. Anyway. This is the last episode where I'll do that joke. (laughs) Because the tube was damaged, the pressure builds up at the damaged location. Blood isn't returning to where it's supposed to go anywhere near as quickly. Instead, it's pooling. It makes my toe red and swollen. Now, the body has a defense for this predicament. It has white blood cells. It deploys extra ones the only way that it knows how. It sends them in the blood, which makes the location (laughs) swell up even more. (laughs) Now, the body needs to shut this nonsense down. The damaged tubes register that they're damaged, and they send out a hormone that shrinks the tubes so that no more blood spills out into the flesh. Then the clotting starts. Unless you're a British royal family, then the clotting doesn't start. Yeah. Nor does the sweating, apparently. (laughs) This will restore the tissue, and before you know it, my little pinky toe will be as good as new. Mm. But before then, I've got a bunch of hemoglobin just sitting there. Mm. Greg, blood is alive. That is to say, the red, the white, and the platelets are alive. Mm -hmm. Uh, Incidentally, the red, the white, and the platelets are alive was the second choice American national anthem after (laughs) Star Spangled Banner. So red blood cells can last a month in a fridge. Mm. My pinky toe is not a fridge, mm-hmm. and the hemoglobin, it almost immediately starts to break down. starts out bright red, full of lovely oxygen and mm. iron. Mm. When the oxygen leaves, it turns dark red. Refracted through the skin, this can appear to be slightly blue. The reparation of the region means your blood starts to get eaten. Your because, body starts to eat yeah, the blood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It changes, little vampire body, it changes from hemoglobin to biliverdin. Now, we've discussed biliverdin before when discussing poop that is green. Mm, mm. This same process makes our bruise turn green. Because bile is like a greeny yellow colour. Yeah. Yeah, so that's, it's not actually bile though, it's just, say, from a root word, it's not not bile being sent down, that would be turned into bile, it's just... Uh, it's the same thing. It's the, the biliverdin is right. in it's the body the and it comes from. Oh, so biliverdin. Verdin, verdin no. means green, so it's yellow yes, green. Yes, it does. Ah. Like verdant or yes, yes. green in French. Ha, huh. there you go. Eventually, this process turns the biliverdin, breaks it down into bilirubin, which makes your bruise appear yellow. 
And then finally it breaks down to hemocytorin, which is a slightly more golden colour. So, yeah, red, blue, green, yellow. Incidentally, the same colours as the Mauritius flag. Oh, which I probably can't see. So if you are Mauritian and you wang yourself going down the (laughs) stairs, you can at least console yourself that your healing is patriotic. Oh, that's lovely. At this point, your healing is long done. Mm -hmm. There's just a clean-up to do. So these rogue dead dead cells will get shuffled into the lymphatic system, then to the lymph nodes, and then to the liver, from which point it becomes just a streak of brown. Yep. You poop it out, baby. As we talked about many times, the colour of your poop, it's blood. It's mainly blood. It's all blood. Yeah. You poop and you're blood. Incidentally, a streak of brown perfectly describes the city flag of El Carmen in Colombia. (laughs) So stand proud, El Carmens. I mean... Wipe first, then stand proud. (laughs) I love looking at bruises. I know it sounds really weird. I had a many, many, many years ago, I had a girlfriend who she turned out in the end, she didn't have enough iron in her diet. She didn't know. And one of the very first dates we went on, we we were out and about and like having a lovely day at the beach sort of thing. We, We got some ice cream and we're back to walk across the road to the beach and she didn't look where she was going. She sort of stepped out into a road and I grabbed her as a car and I grabbed her by the shoulder and pulled her back. So like, and boom, car, everything's fine. The next day she turns up and she had a perfect handprint. So my thumb, wow. her, my thumb in her back and my fingers perfectly in her front, like over her shoulder. And I was horrified that and oh, and, wow. and she was like no 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 it's fine it's fine uh i bruise like this is, this is just i just wanted to show you this terrible bruise and i was like oh my god and then i got to watch this my fingerprints change colors in her flesh because she was quite pasty white <laughs> over a period of time since then i have discovered i have crazy monkey grip strength so i think yes it, it was half her lack of iron and her she had to get iron supplements many years later but on the other hand i have crazy monkey strength in my hands <laughs> and i have a habit of deploying it without realizing it ah see as hard as i try i can't seem to leave a bruise on my wife <laughs> at all <laughs> It's been shown in quite a few animals, Dan, that play is very important. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Dogs, they love it. Yep. Gets them ready for being a real dog, which they never become in our society, but... Well, they become real dogs. They just don't become real wolves. You know what I mean? Like, they yeah, just we, neotenized... A dog is just a... A, yeah, neot- a neotenized wolf. It's just a... It's a, it's we, a <laughs> we messed up wolves. Yes, we did. And but now they play all the time. They're wonderful. Don't... I know you're not a dog person. Dogs are wonderful. Stop it. We took all the most important things from wolves and we took them out. Now they just bugger around and they spend all their time howling while I'm trying to work. (sighs) Domestication of dogs. Anyway, it was one of the best things we ever did for A, for the society, for farming, and also for mental health for most people. It's been shown that having a dog around lowers your blood pressure. Not in Dan's case, I admit this. Dan is an outlier. That's fair enough. I can hear my heart right now. (laughs) It's been shown that people who are dying, if you bring a dog into the room, decreases all their stress. And it's no for you, I'm not going to do that. If you're dying, I'm not bringing a dog in. Or maybe I will. Dan's, he's he's coded. He's flatlined. I'll just like lob a chihuahua into the room. Uh, When I'm dying, just bring like two dozen cats. Just for the clean up. <laughs> you don't like cats either. 
No, but I'll die and they'll clean it all up and no one will have to deal with it. Oh, I see. They'll eat you. Yes. Yeah, yeah, they will. Well, the dogs will eat you too. Yeah, but f*** those guys. <laughs> I don't want them. <laughs> right. Anyway, play is very important. It's been shown to create neurons. And as you said, it's about learning. Humans do it. Lots of animals do it. Lots of mammals do it. It's about connecting uh, societal games or cultural change or cultural passing on, but also learning your own body, learning as an animal what you do, any animal, including us. Play is super important, but it's not really been shown in inverted commas, lower life forms very often. There's some evidence now that bumblebees play, which I thought was really, really interesting. They, that is the perfect insect to play because they are already dressed up like clowns. <laughs> so it was in the University of Michigan. Evolutionary biologists were looking at seeing if certain animals can play, all sort of play fighting and all the rest. And there's evidence that in young wasps may also f- play fight from a long time ago. Dolphins and whales do. Fox cubs do all the rest. But they did an experiment where they took a hive of bees and they had one entrance point that could go out to or exit point, I guess, and entrance point. It was both. It could do both. It was a doorway that could, the bees could get in and out of. Ooh. I know. 2022 science. They had unlimited food, water, sugar water. They could go, they could go out and cross another room to get to. In that room, they set up 50% of the room with balls that were glued down and 50% of the room, the balls were free moving and they worked out which where the bees would like to go and the bees seemed to prefer on average the rolling balls. So they want to go through the rolling ball. Even if you think going around the, the stuck down balls would be easier and safer, they seem to have a habit of climbing onto the rolling balls and roll around a bit, much more often than people thought. They then went on to color code it. So they would say, okay, yellow rolling balls compared to no balls or you know, so and get them to associate rolling balls with yellow and mm-hmm. then take out the balls and put in yellow they would want to go down the yellow pathway compared to the blue pathway let's say then they swapped the colors with, and with another group so it wasn't yellow they wanted to make sure it wasn't yellow so they swapped the colors and, and this time they went to the blue place they wanted yeah. they seemed to want to go onto the rolling balls and roll around younger bees roll more than older bees so they, the younger ones seem to enjoy it more. And they, because they did, they had more time to do this rolling because they is only had- what the kids are talking about when they refer to b-ball? I, I, I don't even know what that is. So never even heard of the reference. Okay. I'm sure the audience are very impressed though. So the theory is that these bees are enjoying the sensation of climbing on the ball and it rolls around and they like hang on the top of it. And they, like you see, and they all like, basically they, they like to, Keep the basically keep the ball up, like it's like it keeps you up. See with the ball, not keeps you up. That's yeah. like kicking it into the sky. So that's the theory that they, they're enjoying the sensation of rolling around on the ball, and because they don't so, have so this, this this makes it sound like the bee is having fun. Yes, that's what that's what the theory is. They're enjoying playing with the ball because they don't have to walk on the balls, but the younger ones do more than the older ones, and they climb up on their instead of just going and getting the food, they climb up on the balls and play around inverted commas use the ball let's just say use the ball to roll around like a clown on top of a ball rolling a ball around yeah and they seem to do that a lot more often than not <laughs> they, they would chew and they choose to go in that room with the rolling balls yeah they're choosing to be distracted the yes. distraction room that's right the idea is they're enjoying it and it's pleasurable for them because they're having fun doing it that's the thesis anyway that seems absurd to me <laughs> I, I I keep wanting to think that there must be some sort of hardwired component in their brain which is like helps them 
crawl over the petals of flowers or something and balance on the top of flowers that's sort of I, I agree. I, I see what you're saying, but what you've just said is what play is. That's exactly what play is. Play is about learning behaviors and practicing behaviors. So that will help you in the real world. Help you in the real world. So I'm not disagreeing with you. Now, what we can't say whether the bee is like, hooray, or it's just learning a skill. But in other animals, inverted commas, higher level animals, a level of enjoyment has been shown while learning these skills, like humans and dogs and bears and that there has been uh, this they feel that have been shown that it's enjoyable for the young creatures to do it it's not just programmed to study skill there's there's fun and it makes sense it to be fun and pleasurable because that makes you do it more it's like sex you know having having babies is a bullshit thing (laughs) but you make it as pleasurable as possible to smoke more and it's not quite as (laughs) we don't know if the bees are like hooray but they think that's that's what they think is going on here. But to go down the, I'm going to go down the Dan Beeston path here of not everyone agrees of, of destroy fun and magic in the universe. That's, that path. That's, that's what Dan brings to the podcast, everyone. So Dan, you're not alone. So other animal behaviorists uh, in other universities have have looked at this and gone no. No, no, you've gone too far. You can't say this is about fun or play. This scientist's take on it is bees have to clear out dead bees and debris from the nest and that they all they're doing is seeing these movable balls as debris and they're trying to get them out of the way. So they're like, clear the path so we can all get through that path. So some of the bees stay behind and move everything out of the way. Now, in response to that, supposedly... They're not moving it out of the way. They're not pushing them to the side, making a clear path. They're just rolling around. But, but it's a, it's a, it's, it is another hypothesis. Mm. There we go. What they need to do is they need to like put little big Game Boys <laughs> so that they can so, – because like if they start loading up some Double Dragon and stuff, you're like, that's definitely play. That's, <laughs> that's not helping the hive. No, not at all. No, it's true. <laughs> Double Dragon. You're so old. I'm sorry. Double dragon. Of all the things you could pick on, you're like, you know what the kids are into? Double dragon. Well, I mean, Game Boys are not like no, well, good point. the recent console. No, no, no. Game Boy Why the- didn't you say Nintendo Switch? Like, you, you own one. Why didn't you go Nintendo? That's what I would have picked. Anyway. Because, <laughs> I mean, that, that thing's already miniaturized as much as it's going to be. Like, the Game Boy, you, you, you could feasibly get it down to, like, five millimeters tall so that a bee could use it. Or, or hear These me out. These are hardware limitations. Well, that, are you going to shrink a switch down to the size of a bee? You're insane. I, 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 look, I accept that, but hear me out. Maybe we could spend billions of dollars making a bee the size of a small dog or a large dog that could use a Game Boy. Or use a Nintendo Switch. Now you're talking. (laughs) It's summer, Gregoire, for everybody listening to this. (laughs) In the most important and best hemisphere, the Southern Hemisphere, it is. I am so sick to death of every bloody podcast. I've already derailed your thing. Every bloody podcast, everything I watch on YouTube, everyone's like, yay, winter's here. It's all, I hate winter. And they keep saying, well, it's really winter out there for everyone. I'm like, shut up. There's like a, there's a, there are continents where it's not. I'm yeah. Sorry. And chunk, chunks of your own country, probably that are still pretty warm. Yeah. Yeah. It's called the sub, it's called the tropics. 
It's just called the tropics. The, the tropics don't get winter. No, no. They get wet okay, seasons and, and dry seasons, and that's yeah. about it. And at the poles, it's always winter. It's go outside winter and die winter. And yeah, yeah, ludicrous. And also, I would like to point out that in in many indig- Australian indigenous cultures, they don't have winter. They have like two seasons or six seasons. Six, six. No, not there's always. Like, not always. Be careful. Be careful there. It's not different. Remember, there's two hundred. It's, it's the same people scattered across like a fairly small island, right? It's like, it's like Europe, Dan. It's like saying that about Europe. Stop it. It's two, there were 200 and something countries. I know you're doing it for effect. I know you're doing it for comedy. And it's quite affecting. Anyway, sometimes it's two, sometimes it's four, sometimes it's six. It depends on the people like every other place on the planet. But yeah, it's, it's very much a Eurocentric. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> I mean, the calendar. Yes, it's a, it's a fascinating to look into. Uh, but yeah, you were trying to talk about summer. I'm pretty certain. Summer. Yeah. And you know what I like to do in summer? Do you know what I like? Hide inside from the sun, the the horrible nuclear furnace that will kill us all. Oh well, I mean that's just that's just staying alive in Australia. <laughs> but I like the Sunny Boy. Ooh, you remember the Sunny Boy from when we were kids? Is, it, is that that little tri- pyramid, triangular pyramid, triangular ice? based pyramid? I got it. Sorry, it's, you've activated the weird memory in my head. So it, it's a ice pole block thing. Flavor ice. Yep, it's basically flavored water, cordial. Yes. We call it in Australia. It's frozen solid in a tetra pack oh. that is a, a triangular based pyramid. Oh. Like the pyramid of Giza. No, that's that's a square based pyramid, isn't it? Ah, oh, damn it. Yes. So this is an equilateral tetrahedron. Oh. No, stop! 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 Say that again. Say it slower. Equilateral tetrahedron. Now say it. Say it with a deeper voice. Equilateral tetrahedron no, no, no. with a deeper voice. No, 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 do it. I don't Come know on. why you want me to add that onto the. No, 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 at any no. rate, it's, it's like a, imagine a D4 if you're a nerd and chances are you are. <laughs> now, these sunny boys, love them. They changed their shape since I was a kid. What? And it has become much harder to explain to the listener what shape they changed into. Mm. It's kind of like a pillow that's been twisted. But that's not very precise. Mm. So if you were to get a tube, I want the, I want the listener to visualize a tube and seal it horizontally at one end and vertically at the other end. All right. That then explains how to get the shape, but it doesn't explain what it is. Yeah. So I'm going to try to describe it to you properly. Do you know what the rotation is? How, like, is it a quarter rotation? Uh, uh, it's a half. Uh, sorry, a quarter rotation, 90 right. degrees. Right, right, right. Okay, cool. Thank you. That's that's important. <laughs> yes. So you know a calipo. Yes, that, that's, that's just a, a cylinder with a, that, that comes to a, a blade edge, basically. It comes to a point at the yes, end. Not it's points, a tube, but a- yeah, a tube with a circle at one end and a mm. flat line at the other. Mm-hmm. So this shape is called a conoid. Ooh. If I got two conoids and put them circle to circle, mm-hmm. then I would have a shape similar to the new Sunny Boy. If the axis throughout was twisted in a quarter rotation helix, we'd get close to the shape we're after. Okay. But not quite. (sighs) Not quite. A bipyramid is two pyramids stuck together at the base. This is perfect fodder for a auditory podcast. I'm loving it. This is the only reason it's interesting is because I'm, <laughs> I'm explaining it. Like if I could just show it to you, yes. this would go for six seconds. And right. Sure. I got it. 
and we and we need to pad this nonsense out. I agree. It's very important. <laughs> so a bi-pyramid. So you get a pyramid, mm-hmm. and then you stick another pyramid to the base of that. So pyramid. sorry, hang on. When you say pyramid, you mean a triangular base pyramid? Uh, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Okay, right, right, right. Okay. It could right. be a square base pyramid. It could be a triangular base pyramid. Right. You put both bases together, yeah. and you end up with a bi-pyramid. Mm. So oh, yeah, a triangular-based sure. bi-pyramid. Mm-hmm. I love how hard you're thinking right now. I'm watching his face listen. Okay, now you wonderful. don't do that. So you've got your bi-pyramid. Instead of getting two pyramids together, you get your conoid and you can put I, the circles face to face. Yes. Sorry, can I? Can I just? I just need to put a, a caveat, a safety caveat. If you're driving right now, listening to this, can you please pull over to the side of the road? I would hate there to there to be accidents as the especially if you're a male. If women could probably handle this a lot better than men can, uh, pull over the side of the road and then listen. Wait till the end of this story. I'll be back with some nonsense about penises later on. I just I'm worried about our listeners. But go on. You know, I often my wife will tell me stuff while I'm driving in the car, and mm. I can be quite good at like visualizing it and sort of following along with the story while I drive. Mm. But if she's telling me what happened to her in the car and trying to explain something, my brain shuts down. <laughs> if she's like, you know the corner up here? Well, I was coming from this direction, and so I'm picturing that, mm. but it's overlaid over what I'm doing, and my brain is just like, no, we don't. And I'll, I'll just yep. steer into someone's bin at that point. I I discovered something. Well, it was discovered for me, but it's pointed out. I laugh and I realize I did this. I do it all the time now. I notice it. If I'm driving, it's all fine. I like driving. I'm, I'm pretty good at it. Everyone thinks they are, but I'm pretty good at it. And, but when I'm trying to park, so you're in a big city area and you're trying to park, uh, reverse park, finding a park, you're looking for a parking spot. I have to turn the music down. I do it all the time. So I have music playing ah. and, and my, my left hand reaches out all by itself and, and, t- and goes, okay, I need to think now. I need to land this sucker and not hit anyone or anything. And music, it's not talking. I can, I can have someone chatting. You know, that's fine. It's, but I have to turn music down so I can have the brain bandwidth to park a car without killing myself and everyone around me. It's insane. Isn't that funny? It's so weird. Anyway, sorry. Back to <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, no, that's all right. I was discussing the Calipo. That Calipo shape, if you pressed both circles together and twisted 90 mm. degrees, that would be a biconoid with a helix transformation. It feels like now we're talking about snail sex. We've talked about it on the podcast before. Uh, you, you, I you mean, fire... we're not, but we can if you want. But as in, as in, you have to press your, you have to press your cones together, and then there's, and, and then twist them, and then that's that feels very much like snail sex to me. Hey, take it inside. We are inside, baby. <laughs> All right. <laughs> if <laughs> how are you not a dad? I'm not terribly sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've got our biconoid. If I cut it in half lengthways before mm. twisting it, the shape would be a long diamond. It would start at a pinch Ooh. point, it would expand to a straight line to the center, and then back to a pinch point. That's if I haven't twisted it. Mm. Mm-hmm. But what we want is to kind of inflate this shape so that it's still a point at each end, but instead of going to a diamond point uh, on the side, it's a curve throughout. Yep. Now, if I had two pieces of loose thread attached to a nail at both ends, I could pull one out at the top and one out at the bottom, and this would form that diamond shape. Yes. So that's our cross-section. Okay. Yeah, yeah, okay. But if I put an even amount of energy inside those two strings, it would push the thread out homogeneously, and it would turn into two curves, 
and make the shape that looked a bit like the double teardrop shape in the center of a Venn diagram. Okay. Yes. Okay. So visualize a Venn diagram, you know, that shape in the middle. Yes. Oh yeah. Yes. It's, like yes. A, it's a, lo- a lozenge, a lozenge shape. No, it's not a lozenge shape. Yeah. So I think it's a, a suppository. Like That's a what I'm thinking tier. of. I'm thinking of a suppository. Right. Not a tear shape. You don't want them to be pointy. No, when they have to be, doesn't it? No, seriously. You, not you, too pointy. Not too, but you still want it. You, it has to be, you don't want it to be a wedge. You don't want to like whack a, I'm, I'm, on, I'm trying to remember, I haven't had it used as a suppository since a child and I'm pretty certain you have to have them pointy at one end. Hey, if you have children and you stuck things up their bottom legally, then, you know, please write it and tell us the shape of the things that you need to get in there. I feel like it should have more hooks. Why would you, what? So it doesn't come back out. No, it doesn't. <laughs> The, the the anus is a very muscular part of the body that holds things in, ladies. Is this supposed to be? Damn it, Dan! What have you done to me? <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay, well, I've got the proper name for this shape. Oh my god! Okay, yes. When two circles intersect, it's called a vesiki Pisces. <laughs> of course, it is. In our case, it's not going to be two exact circle arcs, though. Mm, okay. This, this, listeners and Gregoire, is where things get complicated. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Brief. I'm about to explain <sighs> inflationary surface theory. Oh, I've never been more attracted to you than I have been. I am right now, Dan. I'm really excited. Inflationary surface theory. (laughs) Imagine a perfect balloon. You put air into it and it inflates. It forms a perfect sphere. Oh, God. Okay, I have to stop. I have to stop. I have to stop you there. I have to stop. I am so proud of you right now. I am so proud of you. You always malign physics and, you know, you you kind and always make fun of me. And as an ex-physics teacher, we always talk about, imagine a cow that was a perfect sphere. And you, you, yeah. you're, you're coming on my journey, Jay. I love you so much right now. Please, please go on. Yeah. This <laughs> hypothetical balloon has a tie in it that is made out of slime that blends together into a homogenous film. A perfect <laughs> sphere. Right. Now, are you familiar with a mylar balloon? I am, yes. A silvery balloon. It's too- Yep, two circles made of foil, nylon, and polyethylene pasted together around the edge. Oh. You inflate this, you get a round pillow shape. Mm. Mm-hmm. If it were made of a homogenous film, it would turn into a perfect sphere. Ooh. If it were made of plate steel, it would resist inflation because it's too <laughs> stiff and remain two attached discs. A mylar balloon falls somewhere in the middle. It mm. will get halfway to becoming a sphere. Okay. If you cut it in half vertically, you'd be able to see the top curve and the bottom curve meeting at both sides. Mm-hmm. This teardrop shape is our almost pseudo-Venn diagram shape, our okay. vesica Pisces. Okay. Wow. Okay. This yes. is called an inflationary surface. <sighs> now, imagine you get two cardboard squares. You seal them together along each edge and inflate them. They don't give it all. So they remain a square. But imagine a square is cut in tight diagonals and connected by sort of rubber at the at the seams. Mm-hmm. When you inflate it, it fills up and becomes a pyramid on top and a pyramid underneath. Like it's it's pushing in that direction. Okay. If you yes. then use math to describe <laughs> every line forming a curve, mm-hmm. it may you get a better sense of the mathematical shape. Yes. These lines are called geodesic. Mm-hmm. 
They are the shortest line from one point to another following a curve. Oh, I love it. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. So if you like, oh. if you have a curved, a curved surface, like a sphere, and you, yep. and you sort of, you have a, yeah, we have one of our snails. Yep. They're post coitus <laughs> and they're sort of, and they're, and they, they're sort of winding along. They make mm-hmm. sort of an S shape. That's not a geodesic curve. No. If they head in what they believe is a straight line, that's a geodesic curve. Oh, God, oh, so, oh. I can't tell you how excited I am right now. So, if you add all of these potential geodesic curves on this shape together, they mm-hmm. form a surface. This is called a Riemannian manifold. Yep. It's a type of smooth shape that is made by combining all the lines that are made by our lines being homogeneously pushed out. There's no creases. There's no bumps. It's mathematically smooth. Got it. Yep. Now, our sunny boy is like two rectangles pasted together. That's right. That's what this is about. <laughs> yes. <laughs> At each end, the seal is firm. Yep. But along the sides, it's loose. So if you inflate the shape, it forms a pillow that is a flat line at either end, but completely smooth in the centre. Yep. Slice it long ways, you'll see our double-pointed teardrop. If we cut it crossways at the middle, we'll see a perfect oval. Okay, yes. Okay. If we cut it closer and closer to either end, we'll Mm. find thinner and thinner ovals until it becomes infinitely thin and thus a line. Got it. So... Twist the axis at the axis. The, twist the axis at one end, one quarter turn, and it becomes a Romanian biconoid helix. <laughs> okay, of course it is. But here's the thing: in the shape, you have a fl- flat line at one end of the mm-hmm. tube and a flat mm-hmm. line at the other end of the tube at a ninety degree angle. Mm-hmm. We're not actually inflating it to distort the surface and make it bulge. Mm. We want it to be the perfect amount inside and to not sort of pull inwards or push outwards. Mathematically, at this specific angle where the tension is equally coming from two points, the tension of the surface is described in such a way that the curves are infinitely small. Right. And there is a pinching effect causing a natural line to form (laughs) from the two points at each end to the two points at the other end. Right. If you wanted to visualize this shape, which I, because the, the listeners have already crashed at this point. <laughs> if you want to visualize the shape mm-hmm. that this would make, take two tall isosceles triangles and connect them at the base mm-hmm. and fold it in half so it looks like a beak of a bird puppet. You got okay. that? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Got it. Yep. 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 So okay. you've got your two tri- two triangles attached to the base, and you sort of go. Wah, 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 and it looks yep. a bit like a bird puppet. I like to say. My, my, I just like the fact my brain just had a had to like reboot very quickly because I was like, okay, um, do we we're doing algebra? Cool. I'm, I'm algebra curves. Got it. I'm I'm kind of on the board. Then you suddenly picture a bird puppet. My brain's like, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> That's not helping. Okay. Well, that. The bird puppet is to help with people who gave up with the uh, algebra <laughs> stuff. Okay. Yes. Now imagine that you have this bird puppet in mm. both hands. Okay. Two bird puppets, one in each hand, long pointy beaks, mm-hmm. meep, meep, meep. Now make them tongue kiss. Mm. So you push them together, yep. one sort of 90 degrees to the other, so mm. they tongue kiss, their beaks will line up perfectly and form a shape. Mm. This shape is the mathematically perfect new sunny boy shape. Oh my God. And what is it, Gregoire? 
It's a fucking tetrahedron. <laughs> All that fucking work, and it turns out they changed it from an equilateral tetrahedron right. to an isosceles tetrahedron. Total waste of my time, and by extension, yours and the listeners. True, true. And I could forgive them that, Gregoire. <laughs> I could forgive them all that except for one mm-hmm. last thing. Mm-hmm. The Daily Juice Company discontinued the Sunny Boy Ice Treat in 2016. <laughs> I contacted them to see if they had any plans to bring it back. They do not. So maybe on this harrowing journey of algebra and capitalist letdowns, maybe Smart Enough and a Better needs to buy the rights and have the smart enough and a better tetrahedral pack. The perfect, mathematically perfect way to drink a cool drink. We don't drink. need rights. We just need to freeze cordial in a triangle. But, but they may come for us. It sounds like they've probably, they probably, it's their IP. The shape could be their IP. Can you IP a, not, it's not a platonic solid, but can you IP a solid? I don't know. Uh, no way. No way. That'd be like IP in a color. Mm. Or the, the shape of a football. Yeah. Well, we just do a different shape. We've got so many to choose from. <laughs> An infinite number. Yeah. I think, look, if, if I was going to pick a shape, it has to just be the most perfect shape, and that's a sphere. No, I think we should, I think we should, I think we should package these in a Romanian biconoid helix. Right. Yeah. Although maybe our boy wouldn't be quite so sunny after we explained all that to him. <laughs> Rainy boy? Rainy boy. Penises, Dan. <laughs> the other way penises they seem to a lot of people on the planet have them a lot of creatures on the planet have them not all of them of course but a lot of them do they probably have far too much of an impact in ironically contra- chickens don't have a penis oh, they, well they have clackers yeah like chickens do have a cock but uh, that's just uh, a, that's just that's just the head of the that's, the barn. That's very good. That's very good. So penises, very important, probably over, oversized importance in our society. As he's made comment before, you know, if you, uh, if you menstruate due to, um, more heavily due to vaccines. Oh, that's the thing. But, it, you know, if, if, if they gave erectile dysfunction, that would have ended very quickly. It's, it's a whole thing, but it's been shown in art that penises have been getting bigger for the last 500 years. But you're not supposed to touch the art. <laughs> Couple of jokes being made. <laughs> several layered on top of each other. Maybe. That's right, and that, that's why. And sometimes it makes things bigger. So people have been looking at art. So you think of something like Michelangelo's David. So I've actually seen Michelangelo's David the, the in the Galleria dell'Accademia in Firenze in Florence. But that penis is huge. Well, well, it's a very large statue, but people make jokes about... Oh, yeah, the st- statue is much bigger than the penis. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, but he's a, it's not a human-sized statue. It's, it's a much bigger, bigger, bigger statue. And people make jokes for years and years about how small David's junk actually is compared to his mm. body size. And there's been lots of talk, well, that's because, this is what I read about it anyway, originally it was like, well, that's because he's meant to be prepubescent or he's pubescent, so he's halfway between a man and uh, a boy. All he needs is time. Sorry. 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 I've been watching Crossroads. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> and so people think, well, no, actually his penis is like meant to be prepubescent, but, there's, that was, but this is all just like artists and, and art critics discussing, well, why would he be proportioned like that? And 
it definitely wasn't because people worried about seeing as Wang. So it's not like, oh no, it's like hide it away. Like, no, no, people, they weren't prudish. Not, not as much. No. no. So it, it seems to be fine. So what's going on? So some scientists, I, that's why I love this. So scientists. But what are they comparing it to? So uh, they're not, they're not, they're not just getting onto like bighardlovers.com and going, well, these are substantially larger than the, the, the penises of the time. Those scientists, some great scientists have been looking at fine art and looking at the penises of fine art through history. It had to be in a picture or uh, as a painting or a statue where you could see the penis fully, not erect and so flaccid and you could see it entirely, but you also had to see the subject's either nose or ear as well. That was very important to their study. We'll get on to that very soon. Okay. And what they did, they based it originally on the Vitruvian Man, so Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, so that picture with the eight arms and eight legs and the penis and all the rest. And The, the picture that, that we sent into space to show off all of our weak points. That's right, and, and, and but how we slapped them to death with our octo abilities. So, yes. Yes. They've got so many fucking arms. <laughs> That's right. And they and they're not wearing pants. And they've got one little arm in the center of their four legs. Very strange. That's what we'll, that's where we'll shake them when we meet them. Hello. Uh, <laughs> so well, tr- I just came in peace. <laughs> 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 so, <laughs> Leonardo, da, right. Leonardo da Vinci's Vitruvian Man, 40, in 1490, was all about golden ratios. So, the trying to write and put a human body into the golden ratio, the Fibonacci sequence. We've talked a lot about this in the past, this sequence. And so, this is meant to be the idealized form of a human male. And mm-hmm. so, the arms are in proportion, the penis is in proportion to the head. Everything's in proportion due to the golden ratio. Now, I will point out at this point, when I was reading this, I was like, yes, as we've mentioned on the podcast many times before, there's no such thing as average. We've talked about uniforms. We've talked about plain seats. It's not a thing. So this is very much an idealized form, not an actual, this is what a human being looks like. So I already found a problem with this, but let's just go there. So they compared the size of the Vitruvian man's penis with the Vitruvian mm-hmm. man's nose because they were all mathematically yeah. built. And they were, okay, so they're not going to say, okay, back in the 15th century, men in pictures had a penis of a certain length. You don't know how, is, are they big and far away or are they small and close? To quote Father uh, King. yeah. You don't know. So, but they did a ratio. It's the no, well, they wanted ears as they could or nose ratio. So it was the penis to nose or penis to ear ratio. And that would give a number, a ratio between the two. And then they looked okay. at all, all the art through history, not all the art, they look at a selection of art through history from the 15th century onwards. And they noticed that in uh, these idealized male forms. Oh, and by the way, the Renaissance as well, they decided they didn't go back to like cave art or Egyptian art because they feel that that was the time that a lot of the time they were trying to draw more inverted commas realistically, not to doing as, as stylized as older art forms mm. might have been. And there's a lot to unpack there, which I'm sure your listeners are already like, what? That, look, it's, you've got to put boundaries on things, I guess. Even I was like, what, hang on, what does that mean? So they try to get idealized forms of human beings with penises and look at them. What they discovered. Yeah is over time, the male penis has grown in art. The ratio between the penis and the nose is getting larger. So the penis is so larger. maybe the than, nose got smaller. Maybe the nose did get smaller. Maybe they, were, maybe they were drawing the nose smaller and smaller. But it seems to be that the penis is the changing scale here. The penis is getting larger and larger. This slowly happened 
but then started to super increase in the 19th century. So the uh-huh. 18 something or others, and then super increase in the 20th century. Anytime you saw an idealized male form, they were drawing bigger and bigger dicks basically on their, on yeah. their artists. So no there's one- a number of things that could be happening here. Oh, yes, I, I, I'm interested. I'm interested. What's, what's your take on that? Okay, number one, easiest low-hanging fruit, no pun intended, <laughs> dicks getting bigger. Maybe because of diet, the, the body's able to send more nutrients down there <laughs> so that they're like nice, big, healthy cock for him for yep. just carrying on the thing. Um <laughs> Slightly more esoteric, vaginas are getting deeper and penises oh, yeah. are having to sort of grow to it's like the of- it's like the duck the duck penis arms race of yeah, uh, duck penis may- arms maybe race. supposedly not in medical journals the human penis has not gained in length or girth in recorded history. It's not right. getting larger on average. Larger penises in humans is not a thing. Obviously we know that the globe is warming up. So maybe they were like just a bit, it was a bit colder back then, if you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> um, like now we've got heaters. Mm, like if you're going to mm. pose for a thing, if you're like David, th- that poor guy was posing in like a big wo- warehouse with no glass windows. It's true. He's probably pretty cold. Whereas now you got a heater, and your artist's models are like not, uh, so scared. Absolutely. Maybe it's, and you're saying he may have been more proud back then, no, less proud back then and now because it's warmer. That could, that could be it. Yeah. Um, it's- or sensibilities have changed where what we idealize as the perfect flaccid penis. Yes. Is. Yes. Different. That's, for and that's, reasons. that's the, their takeaway at this point. That's their thinking is. They didn't think about the heaters. The heaters is a, no, no. It's a weird it's hot a, solution. It, it could be. And especially in nowadays, modern times, there's more access to, it's, and it's really, really accelerated in the late 20th century. There's a more access to porn, pornography on the internet and that you, you very rarely see average sized human penises in porn. Like nothing is real about porn. It's all. It's, it's all nonsense. It's all oh, nonsense. Did they consider the fact that now everyone's got access to ads about how to make your penis bigger? <laughs> like the pumps and, yes, the, and the pills the, the, the and the science and stuff. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Getting aliens just to yank on it when they turn up. Who knows? It, it, it really is just, it, it seems to be an ideal representation of if you, uh, it's a cultural evolution of saying of a penis should be larger flaccid. So you, you can't just be a grower, you have to be a shower to use the parlance. Yeah, I'm a flower. So <laughs> Yeah. That's, that's terrifying. And if people do try and draw a an actual average sized penis, it's considered small in art and people then mock the penis in the art, therefore leading to most artists to draw larger penises so their penis art isn't mocked. So back then maybe they didn't want it to be distractingly big, but now they don't want it to be distractingly small. There's something to that. It's, yeah. So I'm just going to say to anyone who owns a penis, your penis is probably average and fine. If you see a penis in art, and I'm going to put pornography into that, and you're like, "Oh, that is that's not a, it's not real, everyone. It's just not real. It's not a it's not a thing. You're probably fine. You're probably within the bell curve of penis shape, which is actually the shape of the end of the penis. It's the bell curve. Bell curve. <laughs> bell end. The bell end curve. But yes, and I'm intrigued. Then I want to jump forward in, in our time machine one day to like 2505, and you just kind of have a picture of a man. 
and he's going to have a penis around his ankle somewhere. Oh, also, the girth is getting wider too. So he'll be, he'll be like a space hopper. It'll just be it'll just be a big cock with a little dude on top. Yes. Like the like the uh, homunculus. Oh my god! It's like the uh, the sensory homunculus. Yeah. We, oh, we've hit it. That's already. We, we've already seen what the future looks like. <sighs> Welcome to the Walk of Shame, where you, the listener, point out where Greg has made a mistake. <laughs> damn it! It's so true. It's so damn true. <sighs> a listener called Joshua Devlin Ooh. sent in uh, Hello, in our most recent episode. Greg suggested that ants eat aphids. Oh, no, I know they don't. Oh, did I say that? Oh, that's so dumb of me. Please go on. Oh. In fact, although ants <sighs> may eat aphids occasionally, ants are more commonly known to herd aphids yes. and, and feed on the honeydew excreted by the aphids. Yes. In fact, the ants actually drug the aphids to get them to do their bidding. Joshua says he's seen this in his own garden. It's he's absolutely right. Um, it's such a dumb thing. They don't farm them as meat cattle. They farm them as like we milk cows. Yes, yeah, exactly. It's it's ah uh, yeah, dairy beetles. You well done. For, yes, I look. I stand by that one. That's that's that was a silly, silly thing I said. Well done, Joshua. Yep, and I remember I remember him saying that, and part of my brain was like red flag, and but I, then we just moved on. <laughs> It's pretty cool though. It's it's pretty amazing that they that ants farm they drug they said they drug they didn't know they drug them. So they drug aphids yeah. and then they and then they milk them for the the sweetness they give off. But the ant so the the aphid is also getting something out of that protection from a large colony of, of murderers that will absolutely mess you up if you turn up. Probably help them evolutionary wise well. Any predator for them has to deal with the ant. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder whether whether it's a like a symbiotic thing. Yeah, symbiosis. Even if, well, I, I guess it's also going to be like, it's not like animals that we have in the house. Like cats are doing real well and dogs are doing really well because we're around keeping them all safe. But they don't help us for shit. But they, they, <laughs> indeed. So, but you wouldn't call that symbiotic, or you might call it symbiotic, but really it's not. We, we domesticate. Parasitic is what I'd call it. <laughs> we, we domesticated an animal and now it, it is getting a benefit of, of, being or surviving better in the world because we did a thing to it. So maybe it's that as well. Bloody hell. I love the idea there's an ant talking to the ant going, bloody aphids, just milk him and move on. No, man, they're cute. They're really cute. They're lovely. Look at them. He's my friend. No, not my dog. The thing is that most ants are bad aphid owners. You've got to dedicate yourself (laughs) to training your aphid Mm. or else when you go out and – you know, when you go out and collecting grain, yeah, that thing is just going to sit at home and howl. Indeed. Remember, an aphid is forever. It's just not for chrysanthemum. Oh, I'm on board. Yeah, oh, oh, no, oh, thank you. Big oh, tick, okay. big thank tick. You. Thank you. Thank you. I wasn't too sure. I don't know how I feel. I'll, I'll get back to you on that one. No, hundred <laughs> percent. You have been listening to Dan at smartenough.org. And Greg at smartenough.org. Don't forget, you can go to the website and engage with the website because of the things on the website you can engage with. If you hear Greg or I say something dumb on the podcast, send that information to the other person so that we can call them out on the walk of shame. Yeah, it'll never be Dan. It'll never be Dan. I'm just, I'm just. Sometimes it is. So, Sometimes yeah. the listener gets it wrong and calls me out on something that I'm <laughs> definitely not wrong about. You can get along to the website, 
Click on the buttons. I mean, those buttons are becoming less and less useful these days because <laughs> half of them link to social media sites that are just yeah. not being engaged with. But, yep. you know, you, you if you listen to Stitcher, I think there's a Stitcher button on yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. Well, Stitcher, well, yeah, yay for Stitcher. Well done. And we're on Spotify too, so... You can find us on Spotify. Yeah, we're on Spotify now. Woo-hoo. If you would like to support the podcast, please tell everyone about it. That's it. There's just not enough li- people listening to this genius. That's a, oh my god! I, 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 it's so much, so much going on. They, everyone needs to know. And there are a lot of podcasts out there by big shiny corporations with big shiny people with big shiny teeth, and we're the little people, just like just in the coal mine, just just down there doing our best. And you should Where what us. the internet should be. That's exactly It's like people right. just creating something for the love of creating. Two white dudes talking to each other. It's what the internet should be. But doing it selflessly. Absolutely. Just putting it out here. And if you'd like to give us money, please get along to the website. <laughs> and uh, you can drop money in our tip jar. It is Christmas time. You know, buy uh, us yeah. a nog. Yeah. Uh, you could buy a T-shirt. It is Christmas time. Uh, it yeah. almost definitely won't be delivered in time. No, no, it will not be. There's no way. <laughs> and if you're a patron, thank you so much. If you're a patron of the second tier, you get thanked. Uh, and so that's what I'm going to do now. Thank you. Big Christmas. Thank yous to Matthew Toy, Avi Greenbury, Andrew Trousel, Andrew Potts, Matt Ewers, Lindsay Jenkinson, Gronya Maguire, Andrew Whitehurst, Britta Rogoski, Ilana Mitchell, Elizabeth Yunkin, and Ivan. Thank you all so much for your continued support of the podcast. If you're a Tier 3 member, then that means that I insult you. This month's insults are Christmas song-related. Nice. So, very festive insults. Mikhail Kedar, you jingle barely one-tenth of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Danny Soares, you have no L. You're just a no. <laughs> I like no, the idea of no L being like the unpopular Superman cousin. <laughs> what, what does this symbol on your chest stand for? Just boredom. <laughs> That's right. It's the symbol yeah. for boredom. Yeah. It's from my uh, alien okay. alphabet. Yeah. Whole letter just for boredom. But we're just like, yeah, just. It's the letter for I'm not invited. It's it's the letter for I'm not invited to parties often. Yeah. Oh. Then you, then they invite that person to the party. Then everyone goes, oh yeah, we shouldn't have done that. Like it was written right on his shirt. He should, we really shouldn't yeah. have done that. It's like yeah, that's because the Kryptonians are a very advanced civilization, and they they're like, no no no, we have to put that on a shirt so that guy doesn't I'm get invited. So to ashamed parties. of like screwing up this party so badly, I'm going to blow up the planet. <laughs> Tom Siri, you are, quite frankly, terrible weather for a sleigh ride together. Mm, mm. An entirely frictionful ride will be had, thanks to you. <laughs> oh, 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 ladies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's quite weathered. <laughs> Leathery. Lovely weathered. And it doesn't have to be ladies. Just so anyone's going to write in and say, no, we know, we know. We, it doesn't have. <laughs> there are other, there are other weathered, par- weathered part of the body. That, yeah, I'll stop now. I'm sorry. Come on. Steve Eichenhout. You are Rudolph the No-Nose Reindeer. Oh. How do you smell? <laughs> Terrible. Oh, no. 
Robert Shelton, you deserve to have your head stoved in with a jingle bell rock. <laughs> wow. Okay, sure. I think that's the most aggressive one I've ever that's, done. That's pretty aggressive. Yeah, that's that's like, that's, yeah. that's visceral. That's yeah, yeah. Oof, I can taste it. And finally, Steve Stewart. In Feliz Navidad. Ano prospero ilia felicidad será imposible de alcanzar. That was Spanish, I guess. Yeah, yeah, just like Feliz Navidad. Yes. Oh, yeah, no, good. yeah I that got was Spanish. I, I picked up on the Feliz Navidad bit. I'm just, if you're a Spanish listener or Spanish-speaking listener, write on in and uh, tell me uh, what the heck Dan just said and how badly he said it. Yeah, and if you can somehow pass what I just said. <laughs> And thank you to these three wise men and two other men who aren't wise but are wily in their own right. <laughs> Scott Driscoll, Al Batson, Eric Wilson, Michael Barnes and Morden O'Hare. Thank you all so much for supporting the podcast on the top tier. Oh, thank you, everyone. It's very kind of you. We do appreciate it. And finally, Sean Seifkin, who is still hasn't quite got to the top tier. <laughs> he hasn't worked out. He's paying almost enough for an insult. <laughs> So he gets almost all of an insult. Oh, wow. Okay. Yes, here we go. Sean, you are like three ships I saw come sailing by on Christmas Day, on Christmas Day. So you can provide your own punchline to that. (laughs) So thank you all listeners. Thank you especially to our Patreon listeners, but thank you to all the listeners for your support and for just Hanging along with us on this journey yep. in 2022. I My can't goodness. believe it's still 2022. It feels like it's been 2022 for a decade now. Oh, really? No, no. I must. Oh, yeah. We have different time periods, and yeah, no. I must. 2022 has gone past pretty quickly for me, to be honest. I've been confused and thinking it's been 2023 since July. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea that if the listeners want to. Do the punchline for Sean Seifkin's insult. I'd love to know what they think. What, what, how, what insult would you give us, listener? I'm just intrigued. If the uh, can you just read yeah. out the can you read out yeah, the, uh, read the line again? again? Okay. Yes. Sean Seifkin, you were like three ships I saw come sailing by on Christmas Day. On Christmas Day. What is the insult punchline for Smart Enough to Know Better? Write in to the podcast and uh, let us know. I'm intrigued. I also asked last time about, we were talking about the spatula and we, got, we had a lot of people write in about spatulas even after the podcast and saying, oh my oh, goodness. Yeah. And, and it really kind of struck a chord, which is lovely. And I asked about other cultural things which have changed. And some people have actually written in and I will be doing those in the new year in 2023 because I thought some of them are really interesting to talk about. If you have any other cultural things that you say or do that is different to people nearby or in other parts of the world, you've noticed how you speak, the words you use, the jokes you tell, the cultural stuff that it's very, very different for you that you didn't realize was different until someone pointed it out. Let us know. I'm really intrigued because I've got some good ones and I want to get as many from around the world. I've got some already from China. And I've got some from the United States as well. And I've got some from Australia. I mean, from those places as well, send them in anyway. But I'd love to know what weird cultural... It can be really specific, by the way. Maybe it's just something in your state or in your valley or in your city or something like that that you say or do that you realize later on that no one else says or does. Yeah. Actually, with your talk of spatulas, there's something that we haven't promoted for a really long time. Oh, yes. Uh, (gasps) Oh, yes. if if a listener has saved saved someone's <laughs> life using science, 
please do send us that story because you could be eligible for a night's spatula. A night, my goodness, we haven't talked about a night's spatula. A night's spatula. We haven't talked about a night spatula for years. Yeah, so send in, if you've saved someone's life using science, send in the story and Abs- we'll uh, see whether you're eligible. Absolutely. No, my goodness. We, yes, yes, please do that. Surely now in the, in this year of our world, yeah, 2022, I don't know what happened there. Bait yourself into a corner there. I did. I really did. And uh, yeah, we'd love to know because yes, oh my goodness, I would desperately love to send someone a night spatula. Yeah. And as we always like to say, look, it kind of, ladies, God bless us, everyone. You know it'd be really fun. Maybe maybe it wouldn't be fun. Maybe that maybe we're too old and cranky now. But it'd be really fun to throw a costume party where everyone had to dress as their own doctor. I think that's a I, but you can't dress just as a previous doctor. No, you've got to your future doctor. Work out your doctor's outfit. Yeah, I love that. I that's I love that idea. That's a great No, no, honestly, that's a great idea. Get they have to get the right people. Uh, and the right people is anyone who wants to go. But understands the assignment. That's really good. <laughs> you know, you could wear a scarf, but you can't wear the fourth doctor's scarf. Like it's not it's not about copying the doctor's costume. It's about if you were the eighty fifth incarnation of the doctor, what would you wear? You were you were a doctor that came before William Hartnell just to shit people off. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, shit me off. She's supposedly a gifted time lord, where the doctor's an idiot. He's considered a bit stupid. I don't know if stupid is the right word, but yeah. Not- He's not Time Lord material. Yes. Yes. That's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Thinks outside the Which box. Which makes him perfect doctor material. Yeah. He thinks outside the box. That makes Ironically sense. enough. Ah, very uh, good. Very good. Have they ever done that joke? Has the, has the TV show ever done that joke? My friend's over here. I'm really impressed with her when she goes to the toilet. It's, that sounds like an odd thing to say. Get the pub or something. And I'm always surprised how quickly she goes to the toilet. Like she'll go, I'm going to the toilet. You go, cool. And then, and then suddenly she's back and you're like, what the hell? And she's like, yeah, I went to the toilet. I'm like, how are you back so quickly? It's like, I went, I, I don't know what you're asking. And I was like, that was really fast. And she was like, no, it's not. Like, yeah, it was. You're a woman. <laughs> that's a long, that, that's really quick. And she's like, A, sexist. B, what? And then I was like, check it out. And, and I was like, you watch any other woman that's at this table and how long it takes them to go and then how long it takes for you to go. And she's actually said to me, oh, God, I am fast. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you really are. So, yeah, it sounds like someone's not been washing their hands. I don't- <laughs> <laughs> she seems like a very sensible, clean human being. Y- you were straying very much into the sexist area here, but I'm, I'm intrigued by it. I was just like, oh, okay, cool. Just the just the fact that you're like keeping track no. of how long your no, female compatriots no. are in the bathroom. No, no is I'm not. Already on the wrong side of some sort of line. No, no, no. It, it, her gender is irrelevant. It's just I noticed she came back faster. Yes, but even if you're watching all the men and timing how long they're there for, like that's a that's a lot of brain processing power to something that I don't know whether you should be dedicating that sort of attention to. I think I've just discovered something about my uh, my personality I wasn't aware of. (laughs) (laughs) Oops. Um, No, I, I. 
it's just patterns now. I, I'm, now I feel like I'm defending. Damn it, I'm not a monster. No, no, it's it's just patterns. It's it's how my brain works. It's patterns. It's like people go away and come back, and then I'm always. And it's just that it, I'm not consciously timing it, but my brain is obviously timing thing. I, it's that. It's it's just being aware of time. It's a well, t- now that you're on the back foot, let's get started <laughs> with the podcast. Damn it, Dad. And my story is interesting ones, I think. Well, I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> Thank you very much. There's a podcast I listen to. It's it's um, a Warhammer podcast, it's, and it's just people chatting about Warhammer. It's actually very nice. The main guy on that uses that all the time. Someone goes, oh, here's an interesting thing I found. And every time he goes, well, I'll be the judge of that. Every time. and But it's it's his catch cry, and, and it's it's really – I know it's, not, it's just a dumb thing. You should do this thing then. Well, now I just feel dumb for doing a joke that you've heard a thousand times. No, no, no. I am excited that you were able to dig into my personal zeitgeist and find something that delighted me. Well, now I'm on the back foot. Let's get started on this. <laughs> Fuck the police. FTP. I saw graffiti once. Uh, every day when I walked the Frog Princess to the train station, there was graffiti on the path that said FTP. And I always said, these people hate file transfer protocol. Like, they're like, oh, they're real big fans. Yeah. They're, they're, like, they're like, none of this, none of this git stuff. <laughs> like, just send it up through FTP. You know what I'm most proud about? Neither of us made a, oh, well, this is just my penis size joke. I'm very proud of that. Well done, both of us. That was the obvious joke there of going, well, it is, oh. it's, it is my size. You know, like, you know, that would be the, well, you know. It's just, it's just such a, an old joke. It is, like, it is. Pe- people who aren't funny would make that joke. Absolutely, yes. Yeah, whereas I'm pretty proud of my flower, not a grower or a <laughs> shower. It, it evokes horror. Horrifying. Just like your yeah. penis. <laughs> not a grower or a shower, I'm a horror. You're, you're horror? Wait, no, wait, wait, no, wait. Ladies. <laughs> and there it is! The last one of the podcast of 2022. Woo-woo! Woo! Bravo, everyone. We got there in the end. Ladies. 